Thank you. Good evening. Um, if this is your first time at the mine, please know that we've got a couple of guys over here. They're going to run mics. And so if you have a question or a comment, a thought, anytime throughout this discussion, please just raise your hand and we'll get to you. Um, I know we've arrived when we have multiple singers up here. That was awesome. And so we usually have one person, but we had two tonight, Mike and Alicia, and I thought they did a great job. Again, setting us up, yeah, setting us up for kind of just preparing our hearts, as Frankie said. Um, I really hope, guys, that Tuesday nights are a time where you can come and, and relax in the sense of being around family. Um, you may not know the person sitting next to you, but they're family if they're here to study God's Word. And, and in that sense, we can just kind of immerse ourselves into God's Word. So relax, grab a cup of coffee, and let's just dine on God's Word tonight. I say that because I want to push us a little tonight. Um, maybe a little bit more academically than in some other times. Uh, I want to challenge us tonight with some thinking that, that I, I think might be, might be accurate. I'm, I'm, we'll see. It's, you can be the judge and jury on that. But what, what I want to do is, is get us to a point where we're looking at, what God, what does your word say about who you are and my relationship with you, rather than what do I think about this? If we go into this conversation tonight with, God, what's your word saying? And then wrestle on the back end with, well, that's something new to me or I, I you know, don't see it that way. Then our conversation is with God and his word. Rather than, well, this is what Greg's saying and, you know, he can go fly a kite because that's just not the way it is. Okay, so what I want to do tonight is I'm going to read through, bear with me, but I'm going to read through, try to get us through chapters 13 and 14, because that's Paul's first missionary journey. And I think sometimes when we go just verse by verse and stop and start and stop and start, we don't catch the full body of what he did. Typically, most people think that he spent chapters 13 and 14 and took about one to, between one to two years, back, the back half of one to two years, to get through basically chapters 13 and 14. So envision yourself spending the next two years of your life doing what he did. And maybe that will help put a, put a frame around some of the things we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, starting in chapter 13, then if you're with me here in the book of Acts. And again, if you see something in these two chapters that make you think, you know what, I want to stop right there and just kind of discuss that, please raise your hand. That's the beauty of the mind is we get to do that. Unlike on Sunday mornings where it's, it's more of a, a monologue to you, which is fine. This is hopefully a dialogue. So if something, if the Holy Spirit says, hey, stop the train right here. Um, just raise your hand and pull on the cord and, and we'll get to you here. Now there were at Antioch in verse 1, in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then they went, and when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Verse 4, So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And by the way, I've got a map on, had one. Uh, let's see, can we put that map back up, Steve? Back up? Good. Okay, so just if you're tracking here, most of your Bibles have maps in the back, but you can track up here as well, just to give you a framework of where we're at. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, here's where it starts on the, on the map. They went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews, and they also had John as their helper. And when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they found a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet, whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elmas the magician, for thus his name is translated, was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze upon him and said, "You are full of deceit, you who are full of deceit and fraud, you son of the devil." You enemy of, all, uh, enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and a darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. 
Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had happened, being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. Now Paul and his companions put out to sea from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But going on from Perga, they arrived at Pisidian Antioch, and on the Sabbath day they went into the synagogue and sat down. And after reading the law and the prophets, the synagogue officials sent to them, saying, Brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say it. And Paul stood up, motioning with his hand, and he said, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he led them out from it. And for a period of about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And when they had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land as an inheritance, all of which took about 450 years. And after all these things, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. And then he asked for a king, and God gave them Saul the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And after he removed him, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. From the offspring of this man, according to the promise, God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus. And after John had proclaimed him uh, before his coming a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And while John was completing his course, he kept saying, what do you suppose that I am? I am not he. But behold, one is coming after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brethren, sons of Abraham's family and among those who you who fear God, to us the word of salvation is sent out. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, recognizing neither him nor the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled by these condemning him. And though they found no ground for putting him to death, they asked Pilate that he be executed. And when they had carried out all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, the very ones who are now his witnesses to the people. And we preach to you the good news of the promise made to the fathers that God has fulfilled this promise to our children in that he raised up Jesus As it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. And as for the fact that he raised him up from the dead, no more to return to decay, he has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, Thou will not allow the holy one to undergo decay. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep, and he was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. But he whom God raised did not undergo decay. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and through him everyone who believes is freed from all things, from which you could not be freed from the law of Moses. Take heed, therefore, so that the things spoken of the prophets may not come upon you. Behold, you scoffer and marvel and perish, for I am accomplishing a work in your days, a work which you will never believe, though someone should describe it to you. And as Paul and Barnabas were going out, the people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. Now when the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and the God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them were urging them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things Paul spoken by Paul and were blaspheming. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning now to the Gentiles. For thus the Lord has commanded us, I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles that you should bring salvation to the end of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. But the Jews aroused the devout women of prominence and the leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust of their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were continually filled with joy with the Holy Spirit. And it came about that in Iconium they entered the synagogue of the Jews together and spoke in such a manner that a great multitude believed both Jews and Greeks. But the Jews who disbelieved stirred up the minds of the Gentiles and embittered them against the brethren. 
Therefore they spent a long time there, boldly with reliance upon the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, and some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. And when an attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to the cities of Lycania, Lystra, and Derbe, and the surrounding region. And there they continued to preach the gospel. And at Lystra there was a certain man, without strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man was listening to Paul as he spoke, who, when he had fixed his gaze upon him and had seen that he had the faith to be made well, said with a loud voice, "'Stand upright on your feet!' And he leaped up and began to walk. And when the multitude saw that Paul, what Paul had done, they raised their voice saying in the Lyconian language, the gods have become like men and have come down to us. And they began calling Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gate and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of this, they tore their robes and they rushed out into the crowd crying out and saying, men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you and preach the gospel to you in order that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and is all that is in them. And in the generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways. And yet he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. And even saying these things, they with difficulty restrained the crowds from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. But when the disciples stood around him, he arose and entered the city. And the next day he went away with Barnas to Derby. And after they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commanded them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And when they had passed through Pisidia and they came to Pamphylia, when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia, and from there they sailed to Antioch, from which they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had accomplished. And when they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all things that God had done with them and how he opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time with the disciples. Yeah, praise God. Um, That right there, guys, just reading his word, I love just reading his word. I don't think I do enough of it where I just sit down and just read it. It's not complicated. I think in the busyness of our lives, I don't know, would that take 12 minutes? I think in the busyness of our lives, we just say, God, you know, I've got one minute. I've got three minutes. I've got 15 minutes and, you know, but it's going to be interrupted seven times. And when we just sit down and just process, and the reason I took those two chapters is because that was a season for them. It started with the Holy Spirit setting them apart and ended with them strengthening and opening the doors to the Gentiles and strengthening the the new churches that had just started. And that ends their first missionary journey. And so up there you'll see that's their map right there. Now what's interesting, if 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 you don't really, you know, this is geography, I don't have a key up there, I don't have like how many miles is that. Uh, other people who are much smarter than me will tell us this. That's about, what they did right there was about 700 miles by land, 500 miles by sea. Now guys, again, get into first century travel here. 700 miles by land. In a year and a half to two years, Paul and Barnabas walked or used some sort of uh, you know, base mode of transportation to go 700 miles. Um, And then they did another 500 on a boat. Why do I bring that up? I bring that up because of chapter 13, starting in verse 2. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. What the Holy Spirit, and, and this is one of the things that I wanted to address with you tonight in terms of a little bit more academic you know, are, 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 we, are we good with God just simply saying go? And then are we going to go? 
He says audibly to these five men, set apart for me these two. I'm not even going to tell you what I'm going to do with them. I just need you to set apart for them. And they were obedient to that. Here's kind of lesson number one, guys. If God ever audibly says to you, do something, just do it. I mean, that's kind of, you know, that's a no-brainer tonight. You know, God, if God spoke to us audibly tonight and said, set apart for me Sam and Judy over here, and I need them to go do something, Sam and Judy better get up and go. This is not a time for them to say, well, let's just, you know, what do you want me to do, God? Had God said to Paul and Barnabas, here's what I'm going to have you do, uh, in just your, I'm going to send you on three journeys, but just in your very first journey, I'm going to have you on foot for 700 miles. I'm going to have you on a boat for 500. I'm going to have you introduce yourselves to five or six different cities. And in quite a few number of them, there are going to be people that aren't going to like you. In fact, in one of them, they're going to pick up rocks and they're going to hit you so hard that your friends are going to think you're dead. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never been in a position where I've been hit so hard, people thought I was dead. And I've been through some stuff, as probably you have, but never that. Can you imagine God the Holy Spirit saying to Paul, that's what I'm going to do in the next two years of your life. But rather, he simply said, set apart for me these two guys, I've got something for them to do. And what I want to start with tonight is just asking this question, how do you know what God wants you to do? I mean, theologically, you know, how do you know what God wants you to do is one part of it. But then the bigger part, in my opinion, is practically. So let me just bring it to the present tonight. Do you know that what you're doing right now is what God wants you to do? Can you say with the utmost of confidence where I am right now in the city, in the occupation, in the family, in the, uh, I am where God wants me. Because guys, if you can't settle that, if you're waiting for a Paul moment, you know, I'm 46 years into this thing, I haven't had that yet. But I gotta get up every day, right? Wouldn't that be nice if, if this happened more frequently? Take the 60, Greg. <laughs> There's traffic on the 202. Good, fair enough, I'm taking the 60. <laughs> Um, marry this person, Sam. Jill, do not date this guy. You know, well, you know, okay. That would be, that would be lovely. Uh, for, for some of us, maybe that's happened. I don't know. I, I think for the majority of us, it probably hasn't. So what I want to start with, I guess, is how do you, how do you determine then, where do you want me, God? I think that's critical. I, I, I think that that, that, should really, that should really drive you because if you can figure that out, guys, tonight, you're going to leave with confidence. There's two options, really, in theological circles, and that is one is the way Paul, happened to Paul. If God audibly says something, you just do it. If you honestly believe that you heard from God audibly, then what are you waiting for? Okay, so that's option one. The option most of us are in is this, which is I haven't heard from God audibly, and I'm, and I'm okay to admit that. God doesn't speak to everyone audibly. In fact, guys, you know, we could almost count on hands and toes how many people God's spoken to audibly. So, so you're in good company when you say that God hasn't spoken to me. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not spiritually inept because God hasn't spoken to you audibly. So, so okay, I'm good with that. Now, God, what do you want me to do? And so the question is this, and maybe our runners can help us with this. Do you believe that God has a perfect plan for your life? Curious, do you believe that God has a perfect plan for your life? By way of, you, you, can I say a show of hands if you agree with that? God has a perfect plan for my life. Okay? Yes, because it's from him. Yeah, so guys, let me just start with that, I guess. Don't ever, if you believe that, which is fine, don't ever settle for something less than perfect. If you believe God's giving you a plan for your life, your individual life, 
please don't ever think it's less than perfect. Otherwise, then what are we charging God with? Being less than, or he wouldn't provide for you the most perfect plan. Why would he not do that? And so, do you believe that God has a perfect plan for your life? Yes, but... Well, you know my question then. It's not going to look perfect. Why do you think that and how do you know? No, 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 you, gotta, you, can't, you can't just say yes and then just hand the mic back. Well, <laughs> I don't want to be, I, I, I don't want to hog the mic, so I'll let somebody else answer that. Well, why I do you believe I, that? How do you know? Because I think I followed his, to some degree his plan for me. And at the beginning, it didn't look so good, didn't feel so good either. But then at some point in time, you could see why it didn't feel good, but why he did it the way he did it. Okay, so, and I, you have the mic, and so, you know, you, you raise your hand. Thank God you did. No, you can't give it back yet. I got a follow-up question then. Okay, you said, because I followed the plan he's had for me, and I'm going to stop you right there and just back up, I guess, to how do you know the plan he has for you or has had for you? What have been the indicators that you're following his plan? Because it appears that he's opened doors for me. I don't know how I would have done it if it hadn't been God. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I, and I appreciate your honesty. Thank you. Uh, right here. Um, we got you. In just going and reading the word, God speaks to me through his word. And he will tell me or show me this is why I'm going through this or why I must go through this or this is the direction that he's leading me in because there's so many things that you think you might be on the right path till you read the word yeah. and he just brings it to you that this is something you have to go through to grow in order to get past to keep going on the perfect plan and you might not ever know what the perfect plan is you just follow what he directs you to. Okay, good. I'm glad you said what you did. And so, again, let me just, let me pick on the words, if you will. Okay, let me just pick on the words and I'll separate, you know, we'll just pick on the conversation here. You said, um, I know it because when I read the word, I kind of learn about why I'm in the situation I'm in. And then you said, um, I may never know his perfect plan, but I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm staying to the course and I'm trying to do the best I can. So I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Okay. I, I teach at this high school, Valley Christian, and I asked my students this. And the first question was kind of this agree, disagree kind of a thing. And my first question to them was this. Agrees over here, disagree over here. I said, do you believe God has a perfect plan for your life? Three separate classes, about 30, 30 kids each in each class. Everyone, 100%. Good Christian kids, good answer. Do you believe God has a perfect plan for your life? Okay. Second statement was this. Will you know God's plan for your life, comma, before it happens? Do you understand? Okay. Not will you know God's plan for your life when you're dead. Guys, whatever you did yesterday, guess what? That was a part of his plan. Why? Because it happened. Okay, and so his sovereign plan, his big plan, it was a part of it. Why? Because you're a part of it, and it happened. What I, what I, the reason I put a comma in there is because I wanted to help them understand, I got kids right now, I got 18-year-old kids, they're making big decisions, right, as we all did kind of when we were 18. I got kids filling out apps, I got kids going to college visits, I got kids making big decisions. So my question was, will you know God's perfect plan, comma, before it happens, well, can I tell you that if you don't do what he's pushing you and, and, and you're feeling what he's speaking to you, you're going to know that you took a detour and he's going to get you back on. But it doesn't even matter where you're going or what you're going to be or what you need to do until it's relevant for him to expose that part. You're correct in that, but my question would be, how does he do that today? Because, again, for most of us, he's not saying it audibly. But he Go to Arizona State. Good, I know now. 
But he does speak to you in the word. He speaks directly. I don't know about anybody else, but he speaks directly to me. It, not in words. In, it's like impressions in the mind. Okay. It's really hard to explain. Okay, and that's fine. Okay. Here's what I would challenge, because some of my students said, and by the way, when I asked that question, will God expose his perfect plan to you beforehand? Guess what happened to the 30 or so people over here? Guess what happened to a number of them? Without hesitation. I disagree with that. And guys, my point with my students was, you've got to be consistent. And what's the inconsistency there? Guys, the inconsistency is this. If God has a perfect plan for you, an individualized, customized plan just for you, what is he obligated to do if he's a good God? Do what? Reveal it. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my eight-year-old needs to play I-9 soccer. For whatever reason. I just know it. I know that him playing I-9 soccer is the absolute best thing he could do for the next four months of his life. Every Saturday, he's out there playing with the other kids. I know that. I know it as a parent. I just know it. Out of all the other options he could do on a Saturday morning, he needs to be this spring in I-9 soccer. Guys, as a good parent, can you imagine me as a good parent saying to Luke, Luke, I know I've got a plan for, not for the other four kids I have, but for you. I've got a plan for you. Great, Dad, what is it? Well, see, here's the kicker. Like, I'm not going to tell you audibly. I'm going to kind of, kind of string it out a little bit. I'm going to kind of make you kind of work at it. And then when I do tell you, it's not going to be, again, crystal clear. It's going to be kind of a, you're going to wake up and you're just going to kind of know it. And guys, again, I'm framing this, and it may be a straw argument, I don't know, but, but what has frustrated me over the years is this particular question. God, what do you want me to do? And again, if, he, if he's impressing upon you where it is clear to you, then do it. But guys, I think we could, a lot of us could admit it's just not that clear all the time. And I'm not a big fan of you saying the reason it's not clear is because you're not as faithful or you're not in the word as much or you're not. Guys, I've done all, I've checked off all the boxes in some of the bigger decisions in my life. And I still came down to this way or that way. I got kids right now that are coming up to me saying, I've done the, you know, I'm tracking with God. I'm praying to God. I'm asking for his leading, his guiding. And I've got two colleges to pick from. Which one should I go to? And guys, I, I just think that it's, it's we're, we're on thin ice when we say to that kid, you better pray some more because there's one you shouldn't go to. Or phrase it any way you want. You better, you better pray more because there's one that's the better choice for you. Okay. Okay. But what if that kid comes back and says, the deadline is April 1st for me to fill out the apps. And I, I've done what you wanted me to do, Greg. And, and I still do, I'm still here. I'm still torn. It was interesting because I had my kids today, this was a few days ago when, I, when we did that whole, but today I said, um, who has decided what college you're going to go to already? I teach seniors. And, and in each class, half of them, it's February, half of them, right? So I went to the person in all, all my classes, to the person, I said, why, why did, what college, what, what school are you going to and why did you, go to the, why'd you pick that school? It's cheap. It's location. Got a good program for me. Got a scholarship there. Right, to the per every one of them. Honest and sincere. And guys, we had just spent two or three days talking about the will of God. To, the, to these individuals, we just spent two or three days talking about God's will for their lives. And not one of them 
I take that back. One of them said it, but I think he said it because he knew why I, what I was getting at here. I'm not sure he was being completely honest with me. But, but all of them, to the person, not one of them said, the reason I chose U of A, the reason I chose GCU, the reason I chose Montana State was because I fully and firmly believe it's God's will that I go there. And then all of these other things are secondary. Uh, the program, the finances, etc. But really what happened, Greg, Mr. Tongson, is as I was praying, as I was reading the word, as I was doing these things, God told me. He impressed upon me. He led me. He told me wherever you need to go here. As opposed to the 350 other schools I could go to, I need to go to this one. Guys, not one of my students who love Jesus, not one of them said that. But rather they said, I, you know, I talked to people, I went and visited, I prayed about it. All of the things I think you and I do. Well, I don't think that that's a bad thing. I don't think that, that, that you using the mind God gave you and processing things in a way that may seem almost kind of unspiritual is, is such a, a ridiculously bad thing to do. I just found it funny that when I said, does God have a perfect plan for your life? All of them without question, yes. And then when we start to dive into that and ask a little bit of, you know, why do you think that? What wasn't coming forth, by the way, were verses upon verses that were showing me that here. But rather what was coming forth was, well, that was, that's what I'm taught, or that's what, you know, I feel, or that's what I believe. And guys, again, and again, I, you know, this may be my last message here, I don't know, based on what I'm saying, but... Since I'm here, I'll say it. Guys, why do you think the divorce rate amongst Christians is high? 42% the last time I checked. If you've got, you got a guy and a girl that are praying their socks off, God, lead me to the right person, lead me to the right person, lead me to the right person. She shows up, man, she must be the right person. Why? Because I prayed about it and I just feel good about it. Like, I feel good about it. Why then three years later are you sitting across the table from each other saying, and this is what I want in the agreement, and this is what you get in the agreement, and this is what, if you believe that that is God's only person for you. Somebody's not, somebody's not leading you the right way, is what I'm saying. And so I'm a big fan, guys, please hear me. I'm a big fan of subjectivity by way of leading, right? Paul says it, be led by the Spirit. And so I get that. I'm also a huge fan of some of the other variables that we can use that I'm not sure is talked about too much. Again, if God speaks to you, do it. I'm just addressing those times where, God, I want to be used by you. I'm available. Show me what you want me to do. Can I just offer this? Pray about it, certainly. Have you talked to wise counsel about this? Men and women who don't have a vested interest, have you asked their insight? And then finally this. Are you living morally? And I know that sounds kind of like, that's about the most boring list I've ever heard of. I'm confident, guys, that take my students, if they're living within God's moral will, can you realize that God says... Um, Keep your hands up. I, want, I do want to get to you. Um, do you realize that when God says in 1 Thessalonians 4, for this is my will that you abstain from sexual immorality. Did you hear that phrase? Or you can look it up. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, I believe. This is the will of God that you abstain from sexual immorality. Well, now, wait a minute. Do we know of Christians who have not abstained from sexual immorality? Yes. Have they broken his will? Well, it depends, I guess, on what will you're talking about. His sovereign will? No. His permissive or moral will? Absolutely. Uh, you know, let me put it in, you know, layman's terms. You've broken his heart. God desires that no man perish, but that all come to repentance. Do all people come to know him? No. Have you frustrated his will? No. Have you broken his heart? Have, have, have you, yeah. He desire. What is what? Does anyone can anyone quote for me? Um, Romans twelve one and two. You want his people and present your present your bodies as a shout it out. Keep going. 
Yeah, the back half is because that's what's pleasing and acceptable in the sight of the Lord, okay? How many of us do that? How many of us present our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice all the time? Are, are, you, are you breaking God's heart? Yeah. Are you frustrating his plan? No. And so, guys, I would say, you know, and, and again, if I say to my students, have you prayed about this decision? Um, have you talked to people about it? Are you living the way God wants you to live? I mean, honestly, are, are you confessed up? Are you living righteously? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, well, what's the decision? Well, I got to choose between ASU and U of A. Well, that's a no-brainer, actually, but, but you know, I got to ch choose between ASU and GCU. Okay, well, what do you like? Which one do you like? Uh, I don't know, I kind of like both of them. All right, well, what's your major? And we go down the list now. What's cheaper? What can you afford? I, so at the end of that conversation, you know what? I don't know. I think maybe GCU. Okay. Pray about it a little more. Fill out the apps. Sign it. And I can confidently say to you, I think God's pleased with your decision. I, th I think you, you, you lived in his moral will. You did what you should do. And at the end of the day, you know what? It wasn't crystal clear. I don't think you need to feel bad about that. You want to go to Kenya? Pray about it. Talk to counsel. Should I go? Should I go? Can I afford it? Can I afford it? Are you living right before God? Listen, guys, I'll say this to you, and I said it to my students as well. If, if you just went on a bender last night, and you're just, you know, you're, you're, you're hitting the, 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 the anti-acids today just to get over it, don't make any big decisions today and think that God is backing you. There's a, there's a concept here of, am I living the way I should be living? If you are, absolutely. If you feel like, you know what, Greg, God's leading me to, to, to pick up the family and move to Ohio. Okay, that's fine. And then I would ask those series of questions. But guys, I'm serious. If someone comes to me and says, you know what, I haven't done anything else but, I think I heard from God last night that I should move, pick up my family and move to Ohio and when I start asking and digging into this, I find out you're not really living that great. You haven't prayed too much about it. Uh, you haven't talked to anyone about it. I'm going to tell you that's a risk. Well, I just feel like that's what God wants me to do. It's a huge risk off of a feeling. Again, that's my heart. And so this room may be gutted next week because you're just like, well, that's so unspiritual. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, my, I guess my only pushback, gently, would be, where do you see in the Bible where God says, I have a perfect, individualized, customized plan just for you, and I will tell you every step of the way before you do it? Because, guys, I'll bet there are people in their 70s in here that haven't figured it out yet. And that's a frustrating life if you're still waiting for it. Oh, my goodness. What do you think? A deathbed? 11th hour? Here's all the things I wanted to share with you. You know, I mean, what good is that? I probably said too much. Um, you've had your hand up forever, so thank you so much for doing that. It's probably lost blood in your arm here. Can, can, can someone get her a mic? And then if you have a mic over here, there's a couple mics, I guess. Go ahead, say what you need to say. Hello. I was just going to say that um, I know that God has a plan for my life because his word says so. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Uh, yeah, I was, and, you know, almost hoping that wouldn't come up, but since it has, yeah, yeah. I can't. Okay, so it back. I'm so sorry. so yeah, no, that's fine, and and we can go there, I guess, or if you just want to quote it, you probably all can quote it, or just pull out your tattoo or whatever it is on that you have it on, because everyone's got one. So mm -hmm. your bath mat or whatever. What does it say? Well, it just says you can shout it out, anyone. I don't know the whole verse. I just know that uh, for the, I know the plan I have for your life, uh, says the Lord of hosts, Correct. to prosper, and, and it goes on from there. Yeah, and so, I mean, just, just to be, again, and I appreciate that. Thank you for, that's the verse, right? That's the verse. That and Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Those are the two verses when people get up here and preach about God's got a plan for your life, he's got a will for your life, they always quote these verses. So let's just, okay, let's, let's read them then. And again, guys, this is a not about picking a side. I think this is just rightly dividing the word of God. That's all I want to do. 
Um, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And that's what, that's what we know, okay? So can we go to verse 10? Would you mind if we did that? Sure. Okay, verse 10. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you and bring you back to this place. So I'm going to start by asking the question, were you in Babylon for 70 years? No. Because, because the pronoun there for you is the same pronoun in verse 10 as it is in 11. And guys, those of you English majors, guess what pronoun it is? First person or second person, singular or plural? It's, it's plural. He's talking to Israel here, guys. He's, talk, he's talking about their captivity. And so he's speaking to the nation, saying, when, I brought, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. Now again, picture the nation of Israel here. For I know the plans I have for you, Israel, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And, and I'll just say this, and so anyway, listen, if that, if that is your thing, right, that, that's fine, really it is. Like, I'm not here to rain on any parades. But even if you think that that's God's individual plan for you, okay, what is his plan for you? His plan is for welfare and not calamity to give you a future and a hope. Well, guys, I hope that that's God's plan for every one of us. Like, I don't think that that's just specific to you. I hope that applies to me. If, that, if, if we're going to say that that verse applies to us today as individuals, well, then, yeah, I think God does want welfare in the sense of you know he wants us to be stable in life and he does want to give us a a future and a hope but I would I guess I would ask what will you say to my seniors who are picking between ASU and U of A with that verse I was going to add to that was yeah yeah I'm sorry Matthew 6 33 34 seek first the righteousness of God so if I'm seeking what's in God's will yep and I'm like you had stated earlier you're within the realm of what God's will, and you yeah. understand what that is. It doesn't matter about A or B, because God's going to use both for, for good. Right, right? so, so the, that's it right there. That's you, it right there. It doesn't matter if you choose A or B, because he's going to use both of them to his glory. Amen and amen. No, honestly, I mean, honestly, guys, this isn't like, you know, I'm trying to create, you know, you know disagreement here. I, I honestly believe that. That if, if, if parents would say to their kids, have you, have you talked to people about this? Have you prayed about it? Have you sought the word of God about this? And have you, uh, are you living right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where do you want to go? I think I want to go to New Zealand, you know, or whatever. I think God will bless that. I just think it's a little dangerous for us to say to our kids, is that God's will for your life? Because now I've set, up, I've set up an argument to my kid which says something like, you better make sure it's God's will for your life. And my question back to my parent would be, how will I know? And if my parent says, you'll just know, wow. Should I marry her, Dad? Uh, you'll just know when you know. I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. We okay, Greg. This this is a pretty deep night. I yeah, guess. I, I, I this, prefaced it with that. I gave you a heads this, up. This sounds like overhearing somebody's been smoking pot and they're getting deep into conversation. But I've got to tell you that, number one, high school kids are kind of iffy anyway. And they'll figure it out just like we did. Number two, God doesn't explain heaven to us, and we all want to know what heaven's about, but I don't think our mind can comprehend the beautifulness of it. And another thing is, is that many times, sometimes the apostles questioned God why he wanted them to do this or do that. But at the same time, they just went out and did it. If he were to tell them that they were going to be shot or stoned or 
this or that, maybe some of the things, what difference does it make? Do they have to know everything? He just wants them to go and carry out his plan and knowing right. that they're going to get stoned? Yeah. Cool. What, all I'm simply addressing is, is the reason Paul and Barnabas did what they did was because they were told to do it, right? right. Okay, so what I'm saying is, is how do I know what to do in 2015? But even like my daughter, she got pregnant out of wedlock, and I said, look, things happen. You did something that I don't approve of, but you made a detour in your life. Doesn't mean your life is over with, and Correct. you cannot get to those things that you want to have happen in your life. Yeah. You created a detour is all. It's going to take yeah. you longer. And God will absolutely use that for his glory. Yes. However he chooses to see fit. Yep. Yes. No, yeah, good comments. Uh, a couple more here, and then I, I really do want to get to one more thing. So, yeah, uh, someone in the back here. And while you're getting that mic then, um, go, to go to chapter 13 and go to starting in 16. So we we'll get there. Uh, yes. Yeah, I think you were absolutely right with uh, what you said. God gives us free will just like he gave Adam and Eve. Yeah. So with that free will, we're free to choose the direction we choose to go many times. So yeah. God I, will I just, use I, that direction yeah. of how we go and to grow our own lives. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The only thing I guess I would, I would challenge a little bit with is I'm not completely free um, in the sense of God wants me to do certain things, right? And so, so as long as I'm in, I think I got a picture up here. We have a, um, uh, let's see if I can get to it here. You guys, I don't know if that, you see this maybe? Does that come up? Okay. So this is what I'm talking about here. Um, guys, I, I think that, oops. Okay. I think that for me, this is what works for me. That if I'm in this moral area of freedom, right, so there's a boundary in our lives. God doesn't say, he just says to me, uh, for instance, again, back to, you know, 1 Thessalonians 4, he just says abstain from sexual morality. So I'm doing, okay, I'm doing that, God, okay? God says don't be unequally yoked, okay? So I'm, I'm dating a girl, and, and I like her, and, and she's a believer, and, and I'm a believer. We're not sleeping together. Um, I don't know, should I marry her, God? I think that, the, I, again, I think that the decision is in that area rather than if I put a bullseye up there. And the, and the bullseye said, you got to hit the bullseye. Anything off of the bullseye is off of God's will. That's all I'm trying to, trying to communicate. I, for me, it works better like that. That way, it's not, do I have to go to a specific street in Pittsburgh if I move there, but rather, should I move to Pittsburgh or not? I don't know, maybe I should. And then once I get there... What should I do, right? And so now I'm in this area of freedom rather than this pinpointed laser. This is exactly what, I, again, unless, unless set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them. You hear that? Pack it up. Pack it in. Uh, there was one more comment back here, but let, let me just real quickly then get to these messages. And, and here's my second point, guys. Please, 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 in the mine or in Bible study or at church or wherever, um, and, and again, I have the mirror in front of me when I say this, please let, be, be teachable in the sense of if someone persuades you with fact, why wouldn't you move over? We do a great job in our society to have digging our heels in. Like, no matter what you say to me, I love those conversations. You can talk to me, but no matter what you say, I'm not changing. Why would I say one more word? Why, why do we do that? If they've already told us, you're not going to move me off of my position or lifestyle or sin habit or whatever, why would you even address it? Paul, watch this. Starting in 16, the God of Israel, he's talking to Jews here, by the way. The God of, the God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers, uh, made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. When he lifted up in our limb, all of, the, all of the verses here from 16 to 41, after every verse, you could say the word fact. 
And after these things, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Verse 20, fact. And then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, man of tribe, but fact. And after he moved him, he raised David up, fact. All the way down, drop down to uh, 27. For those who live in Jerusalem, the ruler is recognizing neither Jesus nor the utterance of the prophets, which are rather fulfilled these by condemning him, fact. And though they found no ground for putting him into death, they asked Pilate they'd be executed, fact. Watch this. So he's, what he's doing, guys, he's building a case here. Fact, 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 fact. Why? Because he wants to get to the resurrection. And, and when they had carried out all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. Fact. Now, verse 30. But God raised him from the dead. Now, again, if you're stubborn here, you're going to put a big whoop. Prove that. I'll agree with all the other things. They, had, they did happen. How do I know God raised Jesus from the dead? And guys, as in his day, it would have been a little easier than in our day, but the point is still the same. Show me the body. Because I've got 500 eyewitnesses that, have, that saw him after he died. Give me the body. Give me the body, and not only does this go away, I'll go away. So Paul was able to say with confidence, but God raised him from the dead. Why? Because he knew with confidence, we have no body. Guys, don't you think, oh my goodness, don't you think if there was a body, if somebody was keeping the body, if somebody, don't you think they would just, here it is. This isn't true. Bye-bye. No body. So now he can keep going. Fact. For many days he appeared to those who came upon him from Galilee to Jerusalem. Fact. Okay. Why does this matter? Because of verse 30, uh, 38. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that though through him, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and through him, everyone who believes is freed of all things from which you could not be freed from the law of Moses. See, he's building a case here. These are the facts. This is your history. This is your lineage. This is your religion. And, and when we get to the bottom of your religion, we, we add on to it now, the person of Jesus Christ. And now I get to say to you, through him, through Jesus, not the law, through Jesus is the forgiveness of sins. Fact, 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 fact. And guys, and look, so what happens then? And look at, look at uh, 44. And the next Sabbath day, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of God. See, guys, as believers, we can speak with confidence that these things really did happen. And you can go all apologetic and come up with all the proofs and reasons, but I think you just need, you and I need to speak with more boldness and get to the point of Jesus Christ died for you, he rose from the dead, and you need him for the forgiveness of sins. You just watch what God will do if you're faithful to proclaim that message. Watch what he does in people's lives that you thought would be so, so hesitant to be persuaded. Watch what happens. Watch people come to Jesus before your very eyes. And that, again, doesn't come with opposition. But with that opposition, verse 51, they shook off the dust of their feet and protest again uh, against them and went into Iconium. Okay? The second thing I wanted to address, maybe I'll just throw it out there and you can wrestle with it. Lynn will be back next week, so ask him this. Look at, look at uh, verse 48. For those of you who really want to get into some theology tonight. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as had been what? Appointed. To eternal life believe. The word there in the Greek, tassau, is to arrange, to appoint, to assign, whatever. It is what it is. It means what it means. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. Well, that's fascinating. Do you think, do you, uh, this is just food for thought. We're not going to debate this tonight. But do you think people are appointed to eternal life? Wow. Wow. And what I love about this passage is what's right above it, which is, he says, therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through the forgiveness of sins, and 
through every, uh, verse 39, and through him, everyone who, what? Everyone who believes is freed from all things, from which you could not be free from the law of Moses. Why I love this passage is because it, it includes both this idea of what our message is, believe in the Lord Jesus, you shall be saved. And yet embedded in verse 48, and as many, it's like Luke just threw this in, as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. I'm a big fan of every word that the authors wrote in the Bible in the original language is inspired by God. Not paraphrase, not, well, I could have used a different word, but every word they wrote down was inspired by the word of God. Not necessarily dictated by him, robotically, but inspired. God breathed. Uh, they, you know those donuts that go through, like Krispy Kreme? Like they go through that fountain wall, the fountain of, like, uh, of, of icing. Love that, right? It's like that. It's like every word they wrote, and God's inspiration is the fountain of icing. You can't get, you can't get away from it. Not one word was not lusciously covered with that icing. Oozing with hot goodness. So I believe, guys, that Luke meant to write that Greek word. I don't think that he got done with the, God, with the book of Acts and said, yeah, I, I didn't really mean that. I think it's inspired by God. So the question now we get to do 2,100 years later is ask, you know, what does that mean? It's a great discussion. Uh, we got, you know... 30 seconds and we can't do it. But it's food for thought in your Bible studies or in your personal time. Why did Luke write that everyone who had believed was appointed to believe? When in verse 39 it says to everyone who believes is free from sin. It seems like 39 is saying you have the choice to believe. Believe or not believe. And then in 48 it seems like people are appointed to eternal life. Who does the appointing, right? That's kind of, the, that's the issue. So again, welcome Lynn next week. Give him a big round of applause and then somebody raise your hand and take him back to 1348. See what he says. Um, uh, let me just really quickly just speak to the issue uh, in chapter 14 and that is this. Um, whatever, and, and again, the comments that were made tonight, fascinating, fantastic comments. And I love the comment of what, what these guys were doing as well. If you're in that limbo area, of what should I be doing, God? You know, who should I date? What, you know, what job should I have? One of the best ways to figure that out is just to begin serving somewhere. Just dive into ministry. These guys were doing that. And if you do, just anticipate what these guys may or may not have known, which is people aren't going to like it. They're going to rebel against it. Now, they're probably not going to pick up rocks to stone you. But you'll get nasty emails. You'll get pushback from family and friends. You'll get the why. Tell your friends, tell your good family or friends that, you know, you're going to move for the cause of Jesus Christ. Tell them that you're going to give up your job and downsize for the cause of Jesus. Watch the look on family and friends' faces. They'll think you're insane. They'll probably tell you you're insane. Following Jesus, guys, comes with, you know, a dose of persecution. Uh, you know, I hope that's, we're aware of that. Is that a reason to not do it? What would have happened if these guys that set out on these unbelievable missionary journeys, and we'll see that over the next several chapters, stopped and paused and said, God, I didn't know this was what you were meant. This is what was in store for me. What would have happened? All of these wonderful, wonderful churches that were raised up in their ministries, strengthening the souls of the disciples would have never happened. Be a warrior for Jesus Christ. Anticipate challenges and then through God's strength and power, persevere through them. Watch what happens on the back end of that. Guys, one day we'll be in glory sitting around chatting about these stories because that's all we'll have are stories. We're in the story right now. Till God calls us home to glory, you're in the story. I just, I'm excited. What are you gonna do with it? Let's pray. Jesus, thanks for tonight. Uh, boy, heady, heady stuff, Lord Jesus. And, um, and I'm just so thankful that, that uh, we can do this at Cornerstone. Um, I'm thankful that we can just wrestle through some stuff, difficult stuff. And we may leave and just, you know what? We don't agree. Oh my gosh, how healthy is that? 
that we can love on each other, appreciate each other, respect one another, turn to your word, and maybe even disagree. And that is, man, I want to be a part of a church like that. I don't want to be told what to believe, Father. And so, God, I, my prayer tonight for these guys in here is that, is that they wouldn't want to be told what to believe either. That they would search diligently the word of God. If, if they land on a different conclusion, but it's based in your word, praise you for that. Um, I don't want to be a disciple of somebody other than my Lord Jesus. So God, maybe you're calling some of us tonight. Maybe you're leading some of us. As Frankie mentioned in these mission trips, Rocky Point, Kenya. Maybe you're calling some of us tonight just to be involved with youth ministry or kids ministry or, or greeting or here at the mine. Maybe you're calling some of us, God, to actually do uh, the, the, the big ticket items, to, to move, to downsize, to tithe more. Uh, I pray, Father, that we would really uh, take those conversations uh, seriously with you. Because I, I want to get to the end of the day. God, I really honestly want to get to the end of the day and um, feel like me, me and you, my relationship with you is, is good. And God, would you lead us? Would you lead us in the path that, that, that you have us on and, and let us respond to that leading? Sometimes it is subjective and, and that's okay. Pray, Father, that you would put people in our lives that are wise counselors that could just give us their wisdom, that we would feast on that. And God, that we would never stop praying. And we would love, love, love to spend time with you in prayer. So Father, we give that to you. Give, give you uh, back your word tonight as an offering of thanks for giving it to us. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you next week.